0: Welcome to Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. Thanks for joining us on another Retire Smarter podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Kevin Krosky. He's the president and wealth advisor of True Wealth Design, serving you throughout Northeast Ohio with offices in Akron and Canfield. You can find us online at truewealthdesign.com. Kevin, hope things are going well for you this week. Great to chat with you once again.
1: Likewise, Walter. Things are well. Professional football season is back in, and I'm happy.
0: Yeah, as we record this, you're geared up for another season, and are you a Browns fan? I mean, is, is that pretty much a given? Oh, Walter,
1: Walter, don't insult me, please. I'm Uh-oh. a Steelers fan. Oh, a okay. Steelers
0: fan. Okay, all right. I didn't know they're in that kind of that Northeast Ohio area. aren't It's divided loyalties there, right? No, I mean, we're
1: in the heart of Browns country oh, okay. here right. in Akron. Our Canfield office closer to Youngstown <laughs> is kind of the dividing point. But I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and came out here for grad school, you know, more than 20 years ago and been here ever since. So obviously love it out here. That's why I stayed. And the cities are very similar. I mean, they're they're still very, very gritty cities. Well, that's what leads to good
0: rivalries, right?
1: Yeah, well, maybe we used to have that. I'm not sure. <laughs> the it's coming that. back. It's coming <laughs> too back. Too good. Well, there's only one way to go, right? <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. Oh, man, that's too funny. Well, so the local area has adopted you, though, right? They don't hold it against you that you're a terrible towel waver?
1: Um, We have some fun. Right. So As long know, as it I stays Steelers, at that level. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, completely, completely. I do, believe it or not, I do root for the Browns when they're not playing the Steelers. They need all the the rooting and the helping that they can get. There you go.
0: Well, as a fan of – I live in North Carolina, but I've been a fan of New Jersey and New York sports teams my whole life, so I know the feeling of kind of being a little bit of that outsider. But the same thing. You root for the local team as long as they're not playing the one that's in your heart. So – we will uh, we will allow that. Well, we uh, to use a fun pun. We'll try to deliver some hard hitting financial information on today's show in honor of the beginning of football season. But no, actually, we're going to try and boil things down into a much easier to understand approach here. On one of the questions about retirement that I think it's very hard to get a good answer. If you just Google this online, Kevin, it's one of these things where there's kind of a nebulous answer. There's not an exact science to it, so it seems. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. And something I was actually talking with my folks the other day about, about how much money they're going to need in retirement. What kind of income do you need? And my mom kind of just randomly came up with this thought of, well, I heard you need 80% of your regular income income in retirement it was just sort of this figure she pulled out but she couldn't put her finger on, you know, why she came up with that number, whether that was accurate or not. It was just sort of what was in her mind. So let me ask you, is that an accurate number to pick for how much income you're going to be in retirement? How does that conversation usually shape up with folks?
1: Yeah, if it's accurate, it's usually by chance rather than by design. So <laughs> okay.
0: it's one of those rules, though, and
1: there's about seven that I've identified and have written a lot about and actually an assembling into a book that should be out the fall of 2018. I'm kind of calling it retirement rules gone awry. We'll see if that title sticks. But one of them is this spending rule that you're going to need 80% of your pre-retirement income in retirement. And basically the theory goes that, hey, you're not saving in your 401k or your IRA, you're not paying payroll taxes anymore, so you don't need 100 you only need 80 percent and i say that that is only gonna be accurate by chance just based on a lot of experience and actually looking at the numbers for several you know we serve more than 170 families and literally running the numbers for them understanding their current lifestyle looking at their current spending and then how it's likely to change over time and then not only doing that up front but then monitoring these plans for people as they get into and throughout retirement so practically speaking from experience, it just doesn't hold water for most of our clients. Now, for those that it does hold true, there's a segment of the population, I'll call them kind of middle America, if you will, and middle may sound I don't want to say okay but when you look at the statistics you know a middle America is basically household income less than $60,000 a year so it's not that much money in middle America generally you know those typically aren't our clients so for those people the middle America people you know that probably holds true you know they're gonna need they're spending their take-home pay they're gonna need to keep spending it all the way throughout retirement and they're gonna have some costs that are increasing but those people are really typically the only people that it does apply for, unless it's purely by chance.
0: Okay. So, purely by chance is where you will find that that's an accurate summation of how much income you're going to need in retirement. So, where do we go from here? If that's not really going to be that accurate of a model, what do I tell my mom? Tell me, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you
1: gotta tell your mom she needs to run the numbers, Walter. I'll break it down by some categories here. So, I talked about how the savings and the payroll taxes are going to go away. But think about some other changes that you're gonna have in retirement. So one of the biggest ones is healthcare is gonna be different. So you may go in and be on, say, Cobra, and stay on your employer plan for up to 18 months after you retire. If you do that, the, one of the things that you're gonna notice is the employer is not paying a subsidy anymore for your benefits. So you may go from paying 100 or 200 per pay or a couple thousand dollars per year to paying 100% of that. Technically, They're allowed to charge you 102% of the premium, a 2% admin fee on top of the actual charge for the health insurance. So that's one of the biggest things that people wake up to where, you know, retirement's definitely different and health insurance is one of those big ways. Now, you're not gonna be on your employer plan or even on what I would call an exchange policy if you need to use one of those for all that long because Medicare is gonna kick in at 65. And so that's gonna be another transition and the cost structure is gonna be a little bit different and probably more favorable when you get there. But that being said, you know, that's a big difference because when you're working, the health insurance is being subsidized generally by your employer and also being deducted pre-tax from your pay. When you retire, you have no subsidy, particularly before Medicare at 65, and you're paying with after-tax dollars.
0: Okay, so a lot of different moving pieces there that come along with trying to determine what your expenses and thus what your income is going to look like during your retirement years. And where do you see this varying a lot for most folks? Because what I'm hearing here is it's going to be a different percentage for some people. So it's definitely not going to be 80% across the board, but it's also not going to be some other number across the board. It's really going to vary from person to person, and some may need more than what they're making in retirement. Is that... Am I reading the tea leaves correctly here?
1: Yeah, you are. you know, it's very customized. We're all different and we all have different, you know, means and desires and goals and dreams. But, you know, you're going to have some expenses that are going to be around as long as you are. We really lump that into that needs bucket. Certainly health insurance is part of that bucket. But that bucket, for health insurance anyway, is going to increase at a faster rate, generally speaking, than other expenses that you're going to have. So the other things that are in the needs bucket, I always like to say, you know, heat in the house, food in the belly, you know, gas in the car, those sorts of things, pay your property taxes, what have you. And those are the things that really do increase at kind of a normal trend line inflation rate be it two or three percent or something like that year in year out and you're going to have as long as you're on this planet so those are those needs you're going to lump in health insurance as part of those needs but increase that at a faster rate than that two or three percent probably closer to about five percent what the averages have been over the last several decades for health insurance cost increases but those expenses right there, you're going to have to measure them. You know, there's different ways to go about doing it. And we'll talk about those here in a little bit later. But those are the things that are going to be around as long as you are. And then the health insurance is going to ultimately comprise a bigger portion of your spending. You know, as you age, you're going to use more care in your the later stages of your life. That inflation rate, rate is going to keep driving those costs higher and higher, at least until that trend changes. It's been that way for quite some time. But then outside of those needs and outside of those expenses that are going to be around as long as you are, you're going to have some other things that are going to trail off over time. Certainly when you retire and have all this pent up demand for going and doing fun stuff, stuff that maybe you didn't have the time or the energy to do while you were working, maybe you're going to go and you're going to travel a lot more. And We have a lot of clients that will actually have a few different travel goals in their plan. One of them may be a much higher travel expense. In their 60s and start pairing it back in their 70s and maybe it's just going to Florida in their 80s or something like that others you know may have periodic goals for a big 50th wedding celebration or a wedding for their daughter or for their son or maybe there's some sort of bucket list trip that they want to do or maybe they want to do a bucket list trip every other year or every third year in addition to regular travel that they do All those things that I just talked about outside of the needs bucket, you know, change over time. We like to call them lumpy expenses. They're going to be things that are going to show up. They're going to be things that go away. They're going to be things that happen from time to time, similar to a car purchase. You know, you're not going to go out and buy a brand new car every year. And in fact, as you get older, you're going to buy cars less frequently. You're going to be putting less mileage on them. You're going to be driving more with your spouse. And, you know, as you age, your expense on vehicles is to become less and less as it is on clothing and some other items. So not only are you going to have needs that are going to be around and these other expenses that are going to happen from time to time, but are also more discretionary. After all, you know, Paying, say, a mortgage payment or paying your real estate taxes is going to come first before you spend money on a big trip, right? We all certainly need some place to live, but that spending is going to change over time and you can really see a sort of banding approach as you age. More commonly, maybe somebody says, Hey, the 60s are the go go years, the 70s are the slow go years, and the 80s are the no go years.
0: <laughs> but that keeps getting pushed back too. Yeah. Uh, you know, tell just, that to my 80, 85 year old grandparents.
1: Yeah. I mean, exactly. And I'm, hopefully, I'm disproving that when I'm in my 90s and maybe in my hundreds. You know, I have a goal for that. But that's just uh, the you know, super keeps,
0: slow, slow go phase. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And even the slow go phase, I know plenty of people that still go down to Florida to their second home in their 80s and even in their 90s. Now getting there and back and forth may prove a little bit more challenging. They re- need to rely on you know, their kids or something like that. But there's still a lot of people that do it and kind of disprove that 60s, 70s and 80s kind of go, go, slow, go, no, go.
0: My uh, grandparents in their mid 80s on both sides, one still does their annual trip out to Arizona from Maine, and they will typically do not just a straight shot. They'll drive all the way from Maine to Florida visiting family along the way, then shoot along the south to Phoenix. And then at the end of the trip, on the way back to Maine, instead of just driving straight back, they'll head up to Washington State and then take the northern route all the way back across the country, still doing that in their mid-80s. And then the other set of grandparents just last year came back from an Antarctic cruise, a month-long Antarctic cruise, where they left out of... I think maybe New York, and went all the way down to Antarctica, slicing in between South America and North America on their way down there and visiting Peru and you know the temples and all sorts of different places along the west coast of South America, eventually before they made it down to Antarctica. So they've now touched all seven continents in their travels, which is pretty neat. That's remarkable.
1: Yeah, everybody's different. We have a lot of clients that take mortgages into retirement and say that they're going to be paid off maybe when they're 68 or 72 or whatever it may be. Or maybe they get a mortgage on their second home that they plan on having for a period of years. And maybe they have a pension that doesn't increase with inflation, which most pensions don't. So you start factoring in these other things where you you have a mortgage, then it goes away. Or you have a pension, but it doesn't keep up with you know, inflation and maintain your purchasing power over time and very quickly you start seeing where a simple rule like 80% of your pre-retirement income, you know, falls by the wayside for many people. Once you start getting beyond kind of like a a basic living standard and start having the discretionary income, you have the option to go ahead and do more and add a little bit more spice to life, then you're going to have some lumpy expenses and those expenses are going to change over time and even if you don't have a lot of those, as you age, things are still gonna change over time. And that's very, very clear from different spending data that we have from like the Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks this. I saw a good study from Chase Bank. Chase has a lot of credit cards and a lot of customers. They're the, I believe the largest bank in the country and maybe the world. But they did a study showing that your peak spending typically is reached at age 45. And trends down from there. And so when you're 45, you probably have the kids. They're in school or college or something like that. You, know, you got your mortgage. You got your car payments. And you haven't built up enough financial resources maybe to pay cash for some of these things. But you know, from 45 on, it starts trending down. And specific retirement research, there's a gentleman by the name of David Blanchett who's the head of retirement research at Morningstar just did a phenomenal study uh, a few years ago and just showed how spending changes in categories as people age and also based on their wealth levels as they age. And one of the things that applies to a lot of the clients that we serve is Say a high-income retiree as they go through their 60s, 70s, and 80s, even as they're slowing down, you know, maybe they're not spending as much money on themselves for their own experiences, their own travel, or taking you know family on a family vacation or whatever it may be. Their spending may be similar or even the same, but the character of it changes. They're giving more money to charity. They're maybe giving money to their grandkids' education when they're in college they can see with the benefit of hindsight that, hey, my financial life plan, my retirement plan, my investment plan worked out really well. I'm good. You know, I'm going to have more money. Some of this money that I have is going to be leave on money. I'm okay to start doing some of this. So when you actually look at their spending, even if it's the same, the character of it has changed. And I would say when you look at something like that, we would put that in in the more discretionary bucket. Nobody that is 55 or 60 or 65 that we're doing retirement plans for typically is going to tell us that I want to make sure that I work long enough to put all my grandkids through college when I'm in my 80s and they're going to they're gonna be in college. No, they're going to say, hey, these are the goals that I have. I want to go ahead and preserve my lifestyle, You know, have some fun, do some more trips, do this, do that. But then you know, if they end up in a position where maybe they did better than what they need for themselves, then their spending will change and they'll spend it on those more discretionary things I
0: talked about pretty cool to just see the differences that we all have. What makes us unique impacts how we formulate our financial and retirement plans. And for two people who maybe on paper look very alike, Kevin, the actual plan that gets pulled together when you start factoring in the things like emotions and goals and needs and desires and all these non-financial things, it's probably pretty neat from your perspective to see two people that look the same on paper end up with totally different plans because of all those other factors.
1: Yeah, everybody's different. And I mean, that's one of the cool things about, you know, just working with people, getting to know them and getting to understand them. And then, you know, tailoring the advice to them. One of the other things that I think is just, I really like is if you really understand this numbers aspect that we're talking about, you know, the spending, not only being able to measure how much you're spending today, which, frankly, we have not Really, even dove into on how to do that. That's probably the most difficult part of financial planning. Uh, something that we'll pick up in a future conversation. But really, how it's going to change over time. One of the things that Blanchett found in his article, and we found this in practice, you know, over the years that we've been doing this and helping clients, is that if you actually can go ahead and model how spending is likely to change over time, and not only understand it today, but then take it forward throughout retirement, typically what you're gonna find is people are gonna be able to retire about two or three years sooner than if all that they did was understand what their current spending is and project that forward in a straight line fashion. Let me say that again. If you understand how to go ahead and model how spending is likely to change for you over time, starting with how much you're spending today, usually you'll find that you can retire two to three years sooner Then if all that you did, which is understand your spending today and project it forward on a linear fashion, which if anybody's doing planning, that's pretty good starting point right there. But most people just kind of come up with say, well, I think I'm spending this and they certainly aren't doing any sort of adjustments for how spending changes as you age.
0: I think those are good thoughts, Kevin. We've covered a lot of ground in today's podcast, I think, as we've kind of broken down this mentality of You know, Another one of those retirement rules gone awry. Like you said, there's a lot of those, one of them being that 80% of my income is what I'm going to need in retirement. Other than the fact that that's wrong, unless you're lucky, that's not going to be probably the right answer for you. What should be our other biggest takeaway from the podcast today? What's the final point we should kind of let linger in our minds a bit?
1: You know, the rules, these retirement rules, this being the first one that we're going to talk about and several more over the coming weeks, they may apply to you, but it's only by chance. You know, you really do have to run the numbers, understand your own situation and make the most out of what you have. Giving mass financial advice, similar to what Susie Orman or Dave Ramsey tries to do, I mean, may be well intentioned but generally misses the mark for most people, particularly the kind of people that aren't you know, middle America, that do have fairly well-paying jobs, that have been able to save a lot and do have discretionary income. That advice, Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey advice for those people is definitely going to miss the mark or if it does hit it, it's only by a slim chance that it it is the right advice for them. So you really do need to understand your own situation. If it's something that you don't feel comfortable doing or you're doing it, but you're not sure if you're doing it right or what you're missing, then that's really where you need to go ahead and find a good professional that can give you that second opinion and make sure that all the dots are connected for you.
0: If you would like to get in touch with Kevin Krosky and the team at True Wealth Design offices in Akron and in Canfield, so there's a convenient place to come by, say hello, and have a conversation about your financial plan, if you'd like, you can give them a call at 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-TWD-PLAN, or the number version, 855 893 Seventy-five twenty-six, or the best place to do it probably for you is online truewealthdesign.com click on the are we right for you button to schedule your 15 minute call with an experienced financial advisor with the true wealth team and you can just find out if you'd be a good fit if you need to do a deeper dive into your financial situation get kind of a health report if you will of where you stand currently with your financial plan that's truewealthdesign.com the place to go to learn more information about kevin and the team listen to past podcasts read the blog check out all sorts of great information there on the site as well Kevin thanks for the help as always I guess good luck to the Steelers this season I don't know it's kind of hard to say that but for you I can wish that luck I suppose
1: well I hope Cleveland goes 14 and 2 with their two losses to Pittsburgh and everybody will be pretty happy
0: there you go there you go I like that always towing that line I see already what happens when they meet in the playoffs though oh I don't know if you can use that stipulation though
1: Well, you know, it did happen since the Browns returned after not having a team for a short period of time. They did meet in the playoffs. I can't remember. It was 0-2 or 0-3, and the Steelers did come out victorious. So I think that's the ending I would prefer to see again.
0: There you go. We're getting you in all sorts of trouble with the Brown faithful here on the Retire Smarter podcast. So <laughs> we'll take that as our cue to go ahead and end it before we stick our foot in it anymore. <laughs> Smart <right>? man. <laughs> for Kevin Crosskey, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us on today's edition of Retire Smarter, and we'll look forward to talking to you on the next one.